It's time to get after it. You're going to jam your legs down and hyperextend your ankles and then shoot back up and lock your knees in place. Not one of those things sounds right to me. Welcome into the Upper Left Performance Podcast. I am your host, Jack Anderson. And today on the show, we're going to continue our series of young coaches giving advice to even younger coaches, uh, breaking into strength and conditioning. And today on the show, we're going to have Costa Telegatas. Costa is a Exos Performance Specialist out of Detroit, Michigan. He's originally from VA and worked as the head strength and conditioning coach at Henrico High School in the Richmond area. Prior to that, Costa was a graduate assistant at the University of Miami and interned at several other Division I colleges. Costa does a great job discussing networking and had some really good insights on how to build and maintain a network, which I think is critical for young coaches looking for a job in the industry. Uh, we also talk about his what he's been doing in his training with many of his youth athletes at Exos. And we also discuss the importance of prioritizing culture within an institution in a particular environment. Costa gave some great insight. It was a really good conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. Without further ado, let's jump right in. Costa, how you doing, man? I know uh, you were just telling me uh, off the air that um, you guys are going to go through kind of the, the same thing the rest of us are going through with this, uh, this whole coronavirus shutdown deal. <laughs> Things uh, going well for you, man? Uh, yeah, they're good outside of the cold up here in Detroit. Outside of that, uh, we're doing all right. You know, hopefully uh, we'll do some remote work up here soon, but we're definitely uh, really sad to shut down, especially for our clients right now. They've been doing such a great job for us. Are you, um, any plans to do anything remotely with them like other, other places are doing, or is it kind of you guys just completely going, going dark for now? Uh, we're not going to go fully dark. We're trying to make sure that what we do is still gives them some kind of a, an experience, um, whether that's us taking footage or, uh, dishing out stuff that's already pre-made from Exos, you know, we just want to make sure that they can at least stay up to par with what's going on and we can still provide a great service for them at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, take me, take me a little bit into your background. Um, you and I connected a few months ago, um, mm -hmm. just discussing, you know, you know, our futures and, and what we wanted out of the field and whatnot. And, um, and, you know, I've heard you on a couple other podcasts go into depth about some of your high school experience, but kind of give me the full story where you went to school uh, what got you into the field and uh, and um, just your most recent experience at Exos? Yeah, so uh, the thing that got me into the field was we had a really nice weight room for a public high school and a full-time strength coach that came over from Arizona State really got me out of a dark place as a kid and really shaped the way that I viewed the world and that a lot of other kids at that school view the world now. And it was awesome because it was a very competitive environment and it was a public school. So for me, I was not the best basketball player in the school. Uh, I went from third string freshman year, tallest and heaviest guy on the team that couldn't really move anyone around with skill all the way to being sixth man, seventh man off the bench. Um, and, and in basketball, you know, that's, that's huge just in one year of training. Mm -hmm. So that's when I realized that my whole mood went up, my grades went up. Uh, he got me to go to college. You know, I wasn't going to go to college from that. So that's how I kind of really started getting a first experience in the field as an athlete. Then from there, I went to Longwood University, got my bachelor's in exercise science, hit a really interesting point in my life where I was like, man, like stuff's just, it's got to change. And I wound up getting back into strength conditioning uh, at a local spot back home, worked out for a summer there uh, while working construction, lost a lot of weight. And then next thing you know, it's like, hey, well, man, can I try to do this for athletes like my coach in high school did for me? So then I wind up basically asking the head strength coach at the time at Longwood University uh, for an internship get the internship, was there for two years during my summers, uh, 
was at Liberty during and VCU uh, while I was away from school. And then I wound up getting into grad school at the University of Miami. And from there, you know, it's a whole master's program in exercise physiology, concentrating in strength conditioning, and a little bit of fitness entrepreneurship. Took a lot of great skills from there and then wound up being the grad assistant strength coach in Olympic sports for the last year and a half I was there as well. Uh, directly after, I really was grateful because I kind of realized where I saw myself in the field. And I remember we would have the new recruits come in fresh out of high school. And I just loved teaching them the basics. So I was like, man, like, let me try out high school real quick. So I could take that skill set from Miami, bring it down to the high school setting. Wound up getting a part-time job at Henrico High School. Uh, I was an inner city high school in Virginia. Excuse me. And from there, the kids loved it. You know, they had a real strength coach for the first time. It was so passionate. The job was about to go full-time. And then unfortunately, due to some renovations and construction that was going on, we uh, had to unfortunately cut the position. So I'd wound up interviewing with Exos a couple of times in between looking for a full-time job and then wound up getting the full-time job up here uh, in Detroit with Exos and really has just been going with it ever since. Uh, started off with just gen pop groups and then progressed into athletes, combine training, and a little bit of the, the uh, tactical side now. Nice, man. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, definitely a lot of experience there. Now, when you were at Miami, this is something I, I talked with Colin on our last uh, edition of like just kicking off your strength coach career. Um, when you were at Miami, what did you do to kind of uh, – have a path forward uh, what were some of the things you did to to create these opportunities for yourself well the biggest thing I did was maintain a network and start building it um, I went to my first conference in Tampa at the Yankees offseason facility it was like the Florida statewide NSCA clinic and I pulled every single person's number I could there but I wasn't that guy running around you're like oh give me a job give me a job no like I wanted to get to know them what did they do what could I take away from it what could I give them from my experience and then from there, met Ron McKeefree, Red CEO, strength coach, um, really absorbed into that. And then even leading into now, um, I make two to three networking calls a week, whether it's just catching up with somebody all the way to um, someone's got a new job, texting congrats, because that's so cool, because you and I both know how that can be in this field, given our current scenarios right now. And then all of a sudden, just like I started compiling this network and I was like, man, two networking calls a week. Why don't I go four, four, go to six? And wound up finding up so much information, templates, programs, everything that everyone's doing. So my biggest advice is just maintain your network and talk to people. People want to hire people. It's just a matter of how are you going to gain that experience, get your resume in front of the right people. Because you and I both know it's not what you know, it's who you know in this field and what they actually think of you. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And it's funny, I was... Um... When I, I've just started getting better at this, to be honest with you, I've, I've always kind of been a, a bit of a loner, um, you know, just by nature. And so just not really in my nature to go out and like, just connect with every person under the sun. But, you know, a year ago, I realized I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta do some of this if I want to, you know, be able to kind of get my career where I want it to go. And, uh, and, uh, I was talking to somebody, um, one of my mentors, Sean Light, and he, he told me, you know, like, look, man, you know, your stuff, like you're solid, you're going to get where you want to go if people know who you are, but right now nobody yeah. knows you exist. So you got to <laughs> go out there and do something. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's really interesting diving in on that because like Tyler Farwell, who was my overseer at Miami for the first year, as far as the grad assistantship goes, he was awesome. But he was like, Hey, like I encourage you, like, who do you want to talk to? I probably know them. And I was like, okay, I want to connect with this guy at this school. Oh yeah. Let me shoot him a text real quick. Next thing you know, I'm talking to him. He has a copy of my resume and then just trying to gain knowledge. And that's another big advice I give coaches is don't just throw your resume in their face. You know, I've made over a hundred networking calls this year 
and each one of them you can learn something new but the one constant between all of them is try to figure out what the person does how how you can use that information and why you're talking to them if you don't have a purpose for talking with them don't hit them up it's 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 one of those things i don't want to just have a meaningless conversation with somebody uh, i want to make sure there's substance to it that we can give and take on both sides and then at the end it's like okay well would you mind if I sent you a copy of my resume if you heard of anything? That's just yeah. a small thing I tell people. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's a great idea because it was another conversation I had with um, <clears throat> one of the people I was networking with over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, he told me so many people, you'd be so surprised how many people will come up to me and just ask me for a job. And I'm yeah. like, really? And I was like, wow, so the bar's pretty low. All I got to do is just, you know, be interested in what you do and ask you for advice. And that's a huge step up from what the average person is asking uh, you for, you know? Absolutely. And, and I think just, it's just staying persistent, always being a student, always growing. Um, you know, you and I talked about before coming on the air about like how my programming shifted over the years. I mean, man, it has taken a 180 opposite turn at some points. You know, there are times where I felt like there was too much information out there and it was almost like overwhelming. And I think another thing for young professionals too, is as far as programming goes, keep it simple. I did that on the last podcast. That's all we talked about and how, using simple basic stuff works better 99% of the time than a super fancy program where if you miss one to two days, you lose everything, you know? And I think that's the problem. And I think a lot of coaches forget that nowadays with all the, the science that's out there, you know, Cal Dietz is a big guy that we talk about and I love what he's put out into the field. But at the same time, if a, if a younger strength coach is, is coming up, that can be very overwhelming if they're still getting their graduate degree and not understanding a lot of that terminology just yet. Yeah, if you, yeah, that, I was thinking about this the other day. If you, if you haven't read like an easy strength by Dan John or you know, something like that, if you, haven't, if you haven't delved into that and you're going right to super training or you're going right to triphasic <laughs> or something like that, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with that information. It's funny, I, I talked with uh, Zach Nielsen who came on the show a little while ago. Um, he's in the, he, he was in the tactical side with me, and I'm sure I think you've talked to him as well. Plenty, um, plenty of times. Yeah, Zach is, Zach is very into that end of the spectrum, but he also knows that like, the likelihood of us using this in almost any situation is just not that high. Um, exactly. You know, really, even with elite athletes, I don't think it's really a necessity a lot of times unless you're in a highly structured uh, college sector where you have a lot of control over the athlete's training for like nine months out of the year. Because even in professional, I mean, in my experiences there, you just don't get that much time with them because of the CBA. Like these guys yeah. go off and do their own things and, and there's just no need to, to kind of work on some of the things that these books are talking about some of the times, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. And, and kind of chiming in off that too, uh, one of my buddies uh, is, who was in grad school with me is now the assistant strength coach for the New York Rangers. And he was going through and he's like, hey, in season, we get them once a week in the weight room. It, we're lucky if we get them twice because they're playing two to three games a week and traveling. And it's more so, okay, what can we do on the ice after practice? What can we do in the meantime when we're on the road? And then if we're in the weight room back in Madison Square Garden, here's what we're going to do. So it's very unique and how I think Joe Ken talks about this better than any other strength coach is that you have to be a chameleon in every aspect of the field from programming to personality, to knowing your audience, to just being adaptable in general. The good thing about the chameleon is he can shift uh, colors a lot of times, but it's still the same individual. And I think every strength coach needs to learn how to do that. Like I wouldn't talk to the inner city kids at Enrico high school the same way I would talk to Lonnie Walker when he was at the university of Miami with you know, so it's, it's, you have to know your audience and be able to address that in a sense, but also just keep stuff simple, hold a standard high and make the weight room have a hard work and hard culture focus. Doesn't yeah. mean you have to 
all these crazy concepts sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I think about where a lot of these concepts came from. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I just actually wrote an article on this. That'll probably be out on team team builder soon. Shameless plug. But, um, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I, I just think, we, we look at all these, these, the origins of some of these special strength training and, and super training and all this other stuff. It came from the Russians where they yeah. were communists and they were forcing people to work out and, you know, <laughs> you know, in, in, you know, you know, you know, hard, hard, uh, hard ass camps and stuff like that for months on end. And, uh, you had absolute control over the athletes. We don't have that with athletes today. And, and I'm not saying we should, I'm not advocating for that at all, but that, that demands us to be like you just said, more reactive in nature, especially in professional sports. Like you go up and ask, you know, I've talked to a bajillion NBA coaches this year, uh, just trying to get information and advice from them and whatnot. And I don't think a one of them has been like, Oh, here's my yearly plan. And this is what we're doing when we get to week, week whatever. They have no idea because they're going to have 18 plane rides when they take their West coast swing and they might get in a hotel gym for 15 minutes with the guys at one point. Like, exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but no, so, so now that we've talked, now that we've bashed the uh, planning and programming, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing with, uh, with your, your, your guys over at Exos right now? And who are you working with in particular? I see you posting some stuff with um, some younger soccer players, I believe it is. Yeah, so, so I'll have anyone from the Liverpool chapter of uh, here in Michigan. Basically, Liverpool has academies all over the world, and I have one of the United States chapters here in Michigan. And I'm working with their U15 and a couple of their other um, teams that are coming through. Um, I maybe get to see them one day a week because they're playing soccer three days out of the week. So I got to emphasize certain aspects of what I do. So the first lift we're going to do, in my opinion, is some kind of trap bar deadlift and then the rest of the circuit that goes in with that because I have 15 to 20 of them at a time. I don't know who's going to show up and I have them track their progress on a little sheet going through. So that way I know if you were here, you signed your sheet, here are your numbers. And then I'll have them do some squat variations, other variations going through because they're just kids at the end of the day. They're high schoolers. So I don't need to get a whole lot of uh, specific training stimulus on them to get a great result. It's that whole idea of uh, minimal dosage versus maximal dosage. Because if they're playing a game the next day, well, I want to make sure that we're doing something light and easy and then adapt back. And maybe if they're not playing a game for another two to three days, okay, now we can work up a little heavier on the trap bar. Um, that's a very basic form of what I'm doing right now for them. And anything that's upper body pressing related, uh, I'll either do uh, tall kneeling where they're on their knees, learning how to brace their core and squeeze their glutes just to create that tension and press up or just bodyweight push-ups in general. You'd be surprised at how many kids cannot do push-ups nowadays. It is very sad, but it's one of those things. I believe it's one of the basic exercises. You know, Zach Evanesh talks about it a lot as calisthenics are great up, up until a certain level. You know, you can get a lot out of them. So I'll stay with anything from calisthenics, trap bar deadlift, uh, squatting variations, everything we need to do. And even then just learning the basics of how to shuffle. Like I'll do a ready set drop and they'll push off that back leg and deaccelerate and land laterally even just teaching a kid how to do that as far as agility goes they still don't know how to keep their hips square and land properly a lot of the time so it's a lot of the basics just re- being reinforced over and over and over and over again but at the end of the day it gets the job done what we do is not sexy sometimes i'm sure you know that from being on the tactical side you know it's oh, these yes. guys can't move and they you have to teach them how to move before you can speed it up yeah so yeah, no, and I think, that's, I think that's great because, I mean, again, it sounds like you're getting a limited amount of time with them, so you're just going to hit what's important. And, and that's the other thing. I, I've been talking a lot with people about, you know, and I think you see this question a lot, like how strong is too strong and blah, blah, blah. 
and, yeah. and I think that's all well and good when you get to a certain level in, in a program where strength has been heavily emphasized. I think that's when you can start having that conversation about like how much more mechanical tension do we need to inflict upon someone before we deprive them of the athleticism. But you're in a completely different boat because these kids do nothing but play soccer and yeah. they don't know anything about mechanical tension and intent. And then some of the other great things that you're going to get from, from strength training. And so I think for you, you don't have to overthink it. You just give them no. something basic and they get, the, they get it done, you know? Yeah. And, and even then, like I try to highlight what I do on social media now, because I feel like a lot of older coaches kind of try to push away from that when that's the trend that the field's going towards. Like I want to showcase the work that I do. You know, I put up a post about uh, taking the dead ball, teaching the kids triple extension, having them slam it in into the ground to get power as a finisher. Now, a lot of the times, you know, these kids are not ready to do any kind of clean variations, um, other variations, but I also want to create culture at the same time. So sometimes it's not about specifically all the science, but getting bang for my buck where it's needed. You know, if I can kill three birds with one stone, I'm going to do that in an exercise. Cause now I just got more out of it. If I'm only seeing them one, maybe two days a week, if I'm lucky. Yeah, I think, um, that's, that's an interesting piece too, because sometimes we are going to, because there are so many facets to sport and the individual and humans in general, um, we're going to maybe not pick even the way we like the best because the group in front of us uh, needs something different to start. And we might have to hold our nose and pick, prioritize something that we didn't want to prioritize on that day. Um, we were talking about this the other day in one of the, I don't know if you've been on any of these coaching calls mm -hmm. that a bunch of people are doing over the last couple of weeks, but some of them have been very, very good. And we were talking about that in terms of like, I was with a group of people that are very PRI heavy and, yeah. um, I like, I love PRI. I'm not super knowledgeable in it, but I really like it. I, the principles really jive with me and they make a lot of sense, mm -hmm. but even myself, I've had times where I've gotten like deep in the rabbit hole and I, I just get some random person that wants to work out with me. Uh, you know, or wants to, me to train them for a few weeks because they're in town or whatever. And I just go way too hard on something that I think matters very much, but they just don't give a shit. <laughs> so yeah, they, yeah, exactly. they just want to feel a pump, you know? So, so it's one of those things where we have to pick the best tool for the group that's in front of us, even if it's not the tool we want to use on that given day, you know? Exactly. Cause like for me diving in off that a little more, I eventually got into the field because I was a really good squatter in high school. You know, I was box squatting 315 after one year. Um, and it's just one of those things where you learn real quick that something maybe works well for somebody else, but someone else may not just like it. And they're immediately, you've lost them at that point through training. Now that part is the coach is where do you find that fine line? You know, like do I, so a lot of times in the field, we either shift too scientific or too practical. Where's that middle ground that gets me everything that I want? You know, even going back to those dead ball slams, those kids love them because they get to yell at each other, scream, cheer each other on. It gets that culture and that intent, but also gets what I need out of the equation too: power output, triple extension, acceleration, deacceleration of the hips, you know, and even a force absorption and just learning basic mechanics with hard work and keeping their heart rate up. Most of these kids don't have any work capacity. So now I just killed four birds with one stone. Why wouldn't I do that again? You know, yeah. it's it, common sense as a coach and a practitioner at that point. Yeah, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. I, I I really like what you're where you're coming from with that. Um, just to loop back on the network piece, I really liked some of the stuff you said, like networking, getting getting kind of positioning yourself for for jobs you want. Anything else you did? Did you what else did you do um, beyond the networking piece though? Um, just to kind of put yourself in the position that you are that you're in today. I think I'll be honest with you. I think part of it was just luck. Um, being at the right place at the right time. 
Um, they, the original site that I came in with, with Exos up here, it had a, a lackluster interview process. And I was a grad student who knew his stuff. Uh, you know, they normally like to hire from within from internships. And some of the people did not do a, a, a great job interviewing. And I come in, I have this resume, I have the programs built. I send there everything ahead of time. So I guess the big thing is come prepared because you never know when it's your time to shine. Um, you know, they made me do a whole video workout and I actually used my dad as the um, <laughs> client that I would be working with. And I had very limited equipment in our garage and I wound up just placing the phone up just like we have it right now and just completely diving into the workout. And as he's going through, I'd hold the phone around. I'd explain what we're doing, why we're doing it, rest intervals. And they see, they see I'm just borderline, you know, like definitely getting a good workout and kind of dying by the end of it. Cause my dad, he didn't work out a whole ton at that time period, but it was great because you never know. And I was the only one who sent the program in ahead of time. I remember my boss told me because you did that, 48 hours before the time of your interview, nobody else did that. That shows professionalism, readiness, you know, always be presentable. I think a problem that a lot of coaches run into is they get too comfortable in their role and they start acting like a fool. And sometimes that makes our profession look bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you think of like the classic college football strength coach example, you know, that we see a lot of times it gets highlighted on ESPN. I think they're like these crazy guys. <laughs> I guess the culture going and it's great and the gridiron and the pump, like, okay, well, hold on, buddy. Now you're devaluing our profession, in my opinion. That, that's the stance I take on it. Yeah, yeah. So be professional, be prepared, and be ready. Because I remember, like, Buddy Morris was talking. He got offered the head job with the Redskins, and Mike Shanahan was there, turned it down. And now whoever was underneath him took that. Because you never know. You might get a callback saying, hey, we want to give you the position. So come prepared, be ready. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really great point. Um, just to kind of further add along for, for young strength coaches. I mean, the, one of the last spots I interviewed at, um, I did, did not get the job, but I will, but I will like preface it saying that I know I did very good work in the interview. It came in, you know, probably overdressed to some extent. Uh, the facility was Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah, wrong with that. Facility was, I'm not an overdresser. I, I wear a suit like four times a year. And so it was one of the four <laughs> times in the year that I wore a suit. Um, uh, so yeah, I came in like that. I had a, a list of things that I wanted to do as the director of this facility. I had a resume cardstock too, man. I went all out. Um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so you, you put those things together and not only I think does it impress them. And I think it also lets you feel more prepared because now you have taken the interview and yes, they might begin it by being in control of asking the questions and stuff like that. But on the flip side, if I come in with my talking points and things I want to do, I can mm -hmm. just turn everything into that. And then it becomes, I'm in control of the interview and it becomes a conversation yes. instead of them grilling me on questions, you know? Yeah, and the last thing, like as an interview, when I would interview people or when we would interview interns to come be with us, whatever facility I was at, whatever college I was at, um, the first thing I would do is see if, see if the, this guy who wanted to be an intern had confidence. Are you confident in your ability to be my intern? Um, and I let them talk, you know, uh, do you have any questions for me? Do you, and, you know, even during that, it's like asking questions is important. And when I interview, you know, I've interviewed for several jobs over the course of my career and the ones I've gotten, the interviews have gone great, but they ask me out of any of the candidates, why should we hire you? And man, do I have my talking points ready when that comes? Um, it, there was actually a time where the, the school asked me, why should we hire you? And I flipped it back on them. And I was like, and I started listening off like, you know, at least six, seven reasons. And I'm like, guys, like, I really enjoy our time together. And I could listen to another 20 reasons. But it, the answer is, why shouldn't you hire me? 
you know, at this point, I have the credentials, I have this, I have that. And it shows that confidence and it's a little bit of a swagger that goes with it as well, especially if it's going well. So I encourage young coaches to be confident because if you're in a weight room and you are not confident as a coach, your athletes, clients, whoever, we're going to walk right over you. Yeah. Yeah. No, for and sure. I'm sure you've experienced that at some point, you know, it's, it's just part of the field. So can you control an environment and then can you get people to listen to you and absorb what you're saying, whether it's in an interview in a coaching session, podcast, whatever it may be. Yeah. I, I feel like too, um, you know, I, I listened to your last podcast um, discussing your time at, at, at Henrico. Um, yeah. And uh, I feel like you got an experience there that not a lot of uh, strength coaches get to, to kind of <laughs> do what you were just talking about. Oh yeah. It was, it was a great experience, man. I, I, I love those kids to death. Um, it, it was so crazy to see all the stuff you hear about with like public school systems on the news and how we're just missing sometimes just the basics because we're trying to please everyone. We're trying to please that kid. We're trying to please the administration. We're trying to please the standards of learning in Virginia. We're trying to please, you know, the kids being safe to get a ride home. Like I talked about on that podcast, some of my athletes wouldn't have a ride home and I'd have to give them a ride home because their dad or mom was too high to come pick them up. I mean, that's bone crushing as a coach. I'm sitting there like, I can't just leave them here. You know, it's a lot of different factors that go into it. And it opened my eyes to coaching stuff very simply so that they can build that confidence, build that success. And then in turn, with me being the first Caucasian strength coach at the school in a very urban environment, that gets buy-in. And when you can transcend racial boundaries and bring people together as a coach, you can coach anyone, in my opinion. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, you, you really – we were just talking about how some things you might need to hold your nose and prioritize over others. Well, there, I don't even think you're holding your nose. You're very aware of a situation when you're in that. Oh, yeah. Strength and conditioning is like the 10th thing on my list of, of priorities when I'm dealing with like, <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> there's like, there's like 50,000 other way more important things going on. And even then, like, you know, you're from Virginia originally too, but like you remember the stories about Richmond. Like Richmond was the Detroit to Virginia 10 years ago, 15 oh, yeah. years ago. I wasn't allowed to go to Richmond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but see, the funny part is like I would hang out downtown when I was told not to hang out downtown. So it's like, I understood what was going on, even though I was in like the middle tracks between the super rich side of town and the uh, very, you know, ghetto and less fortunate sides of town. So I got to see everything from a spectrum. And I think another thing too, for young strength coaches, we can kind of dial back on is get as much experience wherever you can. Cause you never know when that's going to come back and help you out. Like I have private sector, inner city, high school, all levels of division one, low level, mid-major power five. Um, and it really gives you a better, well-rounded experience where I think a lot of coaches are like, oh, if you want to be in basketball, we need basketball, 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 basketball. Well, I've been offered jobs to go back to schools that I don't have an experience in this sport, you know, just because they know you're a good coach. So make the most of where you're at and absorb the experience there. That's something if I could tell my younger self that like maybe take time to look a little more into these little small details and how you can make them better. Yeah. And it's a great point. Cause you know, humans are humans and we're going to have, everyone's going to a couple things, you know, that are going to happen. Everyone's going to act in their own self-interest and everyone's going to, everyone's going to want to um, find out what you can do for them, which is fine because that's what we're here for. But then yeah. when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, like you said, we need this wide range of experience because beyond those like broad points, we have uh, just so many cultural and social differences. A great example is when I was a, a grad assistant at Canisius college, it's a private Catholic school in the middle of Buffalo. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a lot of uh, upper crust, rich kids um, yep. that are used to kind of having their way. And the culture there was markedly different than when I went across town 
and interned at the university at Buffalo with their football program where these kids are blue collar, hard, oh, yeah. you know, mid-major type kids. It's totally oh, yeah. a different ball game. And it's just shocking to see <laughs> that you need to have a different approach going 15 miles away, you know, and oh, yeah. the exact same area of the country, but the cultures are completely different. And, and I always tell people, even if you're from a white collar side of town, nothing wrong with learn, learning blue collar work, work ethic. I know a lot of guys who would work out in like the countryside of Richmond, Virginia called Palatan. And they're some of the hardest working people you'll ever meet. You know, their families weren't rich. They worked on a, on a farm all day and they bailed hay. And I mean, they did all these grueling tasks, but now they're really successful because I think it built a certain tenacity and a certain character with them to the point where they knew how to overcome hard times. Like during this coronavirus right now, a lot of coaches, a lot of professionals in any field are about to potentially be laid off or go through a hard time. And some of them have never been taught how to deal with that or have not built up their networks accordingly. And it might be a rude awakening uh, for them, but I think it's needed to a certain extent to have those experiences growing up. So when hard times such as COVID-19 come around right now or another 9-11 hits one day, we know how to deal with that. You know, that's just a very real scenario of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, we're definitely going to see in the next few months, uh, it's just going to be very interesting to see what happens to the profession. Because, I mean, I hate, this, I hate to say this, like, it sounds terrible and maybe I shouldn't be saying it on the air, but I mean, we are one of the disposable professions we when are. things like this happen. I mean, we're a luxury, not a necessity in a lot of cases. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see, other coaches take on side hustles. You know, I've been asked to write with Simply Faster, and that's been a lot of fun. My two articles are going to be published soon. Um, so it's just small stuff like that that maybe can keep your name out there in the field. So when an opportunity does come up, boom, you're right back in it. You're good to go. Um, but I think another thing, too, is we as a profession just need to understand that we're going to go through hard times, we've been through worse, and we'll get better at some point. You know, it's a, uh, keeping that mentality of positivity going through these hard times. I'm very much a realist at heart, but I still believe that there is like yin and yang. You need positive and negative to have to appreciate. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what you can tell. I tell my athletes or people I work with all the time, like <clears throat> we can be positive while also being realistic. You know, we might know realistically that things are going to be really hard for the next little bit, but if we stay positive through them, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't quite take the same toll. So Oh, yeah. And, and I encourage young coaches, too, to keep like putting content out there. If you like something that your athlete did, highlight that on social media, highlight that on Facebook, highlight that on LinkedIn, whatever it may be. Because um, why not? Because now when people Google your name, well, now you have something come up. Like I, I intern, I literally Google interns names before I interview them. Yeah. You know, and Todd Hammer talked about this before he got the job at GW in an article on uh, mm -hmm. Elite Fitness. And he said he came in super late in the interview process, but the AD Googled his name and she said, I knew to hire him after his first interview, because when I Googled his name, I couldn't get through all of his content. It was so professional sounding the whole time. I knew this was the guy that we should, we should yeah. be hiring. Yeah. But it, it saved, it saved part of his career. Yeah. So why not try to stack up those bricks and build that foundation for yourself? No. And I, I think you're doing a, you know, I definitely have noticed you've upped your social <laughs> game recently. I know in the last month I've, I've upped my social game. Um, oh yeah. Looks and good, I mean, man. and that's the thing, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, we could chase likes on individual posts, but I think the bigger thing is, is that you have a body of work, like you're saying, I think that's a great point. Like you just, you need to make sure that you are providing someone with a reason to hire you, like you said, and then just something where people can look and go, oh, this guy's been around, this guy knows what he's doing, and he cares very much about the field. 
Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, if I know a lot of coaches who get into the field because they think being in a weight room is cool and it never lasts like because you don't love coaching. You don't love programming. You don't love waking up at 3 a.m. and be like, oh, man, it's got this great idea. I can't fall back asleep. Let me write it down real quick. Oh, that, that, that might be just you, bro. I've legitimately had um, people in my life but like, like ex-girlfriends or whatever. And they're like, why aren't you sleeping? No, no, like I got this great idea. Like I got to write it down real quick. Otherwise I'm totally going to forget it. And they just get so mad at me, but it's just, it's just, it's the passion that bleeds within you, or at least in me as a coach. And I love it, man. I can't get enough of it. I'm just here for the sweatpants dog, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> great no, that's awesome. Costa, um, really thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, what, what can I plug for, or what can we plug here for you? Socials, projects anything like that where can the people find you yeah uh they can email me personally at ktelegatis1993 at gmail or they can come in and follow my instagram shoot me a dm whatever it may be it's coach underscore telegatis all right cool i'll put that in the show notes for sure my friend um and then simply faster huh yeah yeah i'm really excited to start working with a lot of their stuff and put more content out there dude that's awesome costa thank you so much man Really appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck, uh, you know, getting through the, uh, the, the great pandemic of 2020 here. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that, brother. Hey, I'll hey, see you later. Thanks so much, a lot. Man.